Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Good morning, Lisa. Welcome to September and episode 53, where we are talking about restoring our sanity. Yes, a very important topic. Uh, We're going to jump right in. Our guest today is a friend of the Adoption Connection, Jane Schooler. Dr. David and Jane Schooler began the journey into the world of foster care and adoption in 1978, before probably many of you were born, with a simple question from a youth in their church. And he asked, would you become my foster parents? They answered yes, and this changed the direction of their lives. Both David and Jane are recognized nationally and internationally as speakers and trainers in the field of adoption and foster care. Jane is the author and co-author of eight books in the field of child welfare, including Wounded Children Healing Homes, How Traumatized Children Impact Adoptive and Foster Parents, and also Telling the Truth to Your Adopted Foster Child. Serving now full-time with Back-to-Back Ministries, their international work takes them regularly to India. Nigeria, Mexico, and Haiti, and a number of other countries. David and Jane are parents by birth and adoption and grandparents of four. I am so excited to hear from Jane. This topic of sanity and rest that she's going to introduce us to is something that I could definitely use a lot of help with. So here's your conversation with Jane. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. I've looked so forward to talking with you. Today, we are going to talk about self-care, and in particular, self-care for adoptive and foster moms. And so, could we start with maybe you just telling us a little bit about what self-care is and then why we need it? You know, self-care has become kind of a new buzzword now. We all have to think about self-care. Probably about 10 months ago, David, my husband and I were in Austin, Texas, doing a self-care workshop. And at the very beginning of the workshop, a woman walked up to me and she said, if you're going to tell me to take a walk and take a bath, I'm leaving. And so I thought, oh, I said, no, hang on, because we're going to talk about some things that are extremely important. And I'm going to read a quote to you that I think is absolutely powerful. This is from Parker. Palmer, and um, his definition of the way he talks about what self-care is, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on the earth to offer to others, and that's my life. Mm -hmm. And when we take good care of our lives, we really, God can use that to extend in the lives of others. So self-care is really, it's not a selfish act. And we're going to really dig down a little bit exactly what are the components of self-care, but the primary thing, it is not a selfish act. Well, that's good because I think that our community of foster and adoptive moms, you know, they don't tend to be very selfish people because they're just pouring out. And the problem is they're depleted. Absolutely. So how can they figure out how to do some self-care knowing that it's, first of all, necessary, and secondly, that it's actually going to make them better at the work that God's called them to do? 
Well, I think the very first thing they have to deal with a lie that it's selfish. And I think we get so tied up in, I can't, I don't have time for myself because of all of these things and I feel selfish. And that's, I think dealing with that lie is, is primary. I joke with foster and adoptive parents that what happens to martyrs? You know, martyrs are kind of burned at the stake, buried and gone, and we go on. We don't, there's no glory in being a martyr. Mm, that's really good. That's important. So how did you come to realize the importance of self-care? Well, it was, I am, they say those who can't teach. <laughs> I grew up playing tennis, and since I can't really play, I like to teach tennis. But, oh, it's probably been 15 years ago, and I, I'm a pastor's wife. I was working full-time as um, a trainer social, and a social worker and also um, writing books. And I was at a workshop getting ready to start in the morning, and I nearly passed out in the workshop. I'd never done that before. And my blood pressure was off the scale and I, they took me to the emergency room and that was the wake up call to me that things have got to be changed. And so at that time I started making significant changes and choices about what I was doing. So my first awareness was that my body was telling me you've been in such a high level of stress for way too long. Were you still parenting at that time? Yes, we had, yes, two foster boys at home and a daughter um, and then adopted son. So, yes, we were parenting. So I was parenting pastors, you know, the, the idea that, well, we can do all of this and we're not designed for that. Right, right. You, you figured that out now, but back then, what were you thinking? You're foster mom, you're adoptive mom, you're all these things, but this crisis has happened and now what? Did you change things then? Not, not as much as I probably should have, but um, I think one of the biggest lessons, and it's been a recent lesson, really, Lisa, with the physical challenges that I've had with my knee, um, as I say, my, I don't want to use disaster, God uses everything, but the knee complications, is that part of not taking care of myself is not being authentic about how I feel. I bury my stuff. And I march on forward, and, and then I don't deal with anything. I not only ignore my body symptoms, they're saying that's too much. If you've got some stomach stuff going, headache stuff, all of that stuff going on, um, digestive stuff, it could be a signal that your body's saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and if you find yourself not really being authentic about what you're feeling and thinking, mm. that could be another wrote down no self-care here because I'm not being authentic about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, we moms with lots of kids, people look to us as examples and we're afraid to show our weakness or our failure. You know, we, we feel like there's this expectation that we have to maintain a certain level of, I don't know, public appearance or something like that. Sure. Yeah, anytime you're in the public eye, whether you're an adoptive mom or foster mom, or you may you will have adoptive and foster moms listening to this that are pastor's wives. Mm. That's a triple whammy. If you all of those things, people are really watching. And the great risk is not allowing yourself to be vulnerable and authentic. Yeah, I can see that really, really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think Christians in particular have a difficult time with self-care? 
Well, I absolutely. Uh, years ago, we were living in Missouri, and we were getting ready to go on vacation. And one of the ladies in the church came up to my husband, David, said, wait, the devil never takes a vacation. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a little strange. I, I really think it goes back to believing lies that um, we just keep plowing forward. This is what God expects. Jesus really set the model for what self-care was because he believed in the power of rest. And it's in rest that God speaks to us and renews us and really gives us real amazing direction, not in the hurried, hurried of things. Let's talk a little bit about some more specific things about self-care, things that adoptive and foster moms can sort of grab hold of and use to take better care of themselves. Yeah. I ran across this amazing, amazing book. It's called the book, The Sacred Rest. It would be an amazing Bible study for a group of foster and adoptive moms. It's by Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith. Um, she's an MD and she was an MD that crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know why is it we always have to crash and burn or something to learn unless we don't learn it in the good times and easy times. But, um, I discovered her model uh, for self-care, um, and she calls it in the power of rest. And she talks about um, seven in her book. Um, and I, I just kind of like to talk about those because when I look at those, I can identify, hey, I'm not doing really well here. Okay, first of all, we will have this book in the show notes so that all of you listeners can easily find it and you can even if you want to listen to it again after you own the book that, you know, Jane will be talking through it. So Jane, will you maybe read us all seven and then we'll go back to the beginning and do you have all seven there? And then I do. talk about them. Okay. Let's, let's hear all seven and then we'll go back to the beginning. Okay. These are the seven areas of rest, according to Dr. Smith, um, physical care. And we, she broke it down in two areas, which are fascinating. We'll talk about that. Mental self care emotional self-care, spiritual self-care, social self-care, sensory self-care, and creative self-care. And so those are the ones that she talks about in her book that just have helped us really understand what all of this means. Great, great. Well, let's jump in with the first one. Well, that was physical. And what do you think of Lisa, when you think of physical self-care, we always think of sleeping, but what else do you think of? Well, sleep is a big one because I have so many problems with it. Um, I would say I usually think of exercise or movement. Those are probably the ones that come immediately to mind. I can dig a little deeper, but those would be the first two that come to mind. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, that's what we always think of. And that is true. That is physical self-care exercising and diet that's, and but that's kind of where we stop when we think it's about self-care we just boil it down to those two things and um, dr smith talks about passive rest or passive self-care which uses the term rest in the book and it's really allowing oneself to be quiet daydreaming for reflective moments that she talks about and actually the actual sleeping which is so can be very hard for foster and adoptive parents disrupted kids, and how valuable and how restorative sleep is. So that is a huge one. But the one that I just found absolutely fascinating is what she called 
active rest. And active rest simply means that we are involved in a restorative activity. Okay, like what? What were the examples of restorative activities? The way I explain it to other foster adoptive moms is think about something that used to give you your greatest joy and you stopped doing it because you could not take care of yourself. You had too many other things. So what would be something of active rest that you maybe cut out because you haven't had the time to do? Probably the, the most significant one was I used to really enjoy reading. Like I would have all my kids have quiet hour in the afternoon and everybody would go to their space and I would take time to read. And that really disappeared when we added more children to our family and just the stress level and the needs became so, so huge that there really wasn't room anymore for reading for for pleasure or even somewhat reading for learning, but definitely not reading for pleasure. For pleasure. You know, I mentioned earlier about having that blood pressure episode. The one thing that I did do, um, so this was about 15 years ago. So um, I went back, I grew up playing tennis. I had not played for 40 years because in my mind, I didn't have time. I asked myself that same question. I said, playing tennis. So I didn't know that we lived in a community that had two tennis clubs right within the same, yeah, just right here. I went, the first time I went, I didn't even know what cardio tennis was. You run for an hour and hit tennis balls. I had, I had zero exercise. Like what? This is crazy. So anyway, I joined a league they put me in a senior league, which was fine with me because it was cheaper. Um, so I went back to playing tennis and even one hour a week was a thing I look forward to and it lowered my blood, you know, so all of those things. So active rest is really those things thinking about it. Is there one thing I could put back in my life that I really enjoy that would be restorative to me? That's good. That's really good. All right. What's the second one? The second one has to do with what we call mental self-care And I think this one is really, really hard because um, it has to do with the constant background chatter in our brain. Okay. And sometimes from the moment, as Dr. Smith, and I'm going to quote her, from the moment we wake up, our minds begin chattering. Some of that chattering is positive. Much of it, however, is negative and filled with stress. And we have to learn the art of being mindful about those kind of things where am I going? Am I jumping on some kind of fast train? The minute I get up in the morning, worrying and stressing, or what am I doing with that? And so there's some things when you think about application of that, is that thinking about is there any way in your day where she has what she calls low yield activities, where not a lot is required of you mentally. A, yo, a low yield activity. It might be simply the um, completing menial tasks around the house. Mm-hmm. That's a low mental activity. Of course, that's an op- also an opportunity for your mind to go crazy. But being aware of what am I doing with my mind? What can I put into my mind to stop the chatter? So that's um, very, very important. You know, since I discovered podcasts and audiobooks. I enjoy cleaning a whole lot more because I can pop my earbuds in and it actually 
is strangely restful. I've never thought of it the way you're describing it, but um, I was thinking about how I really need to mop my floors. I mean, I really, really need to. And I tried to get to it earlier, but I was thinking, oh, it won't be so bad because I'm just going to listen to something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it cuts down on the, what do I need to do next? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I, you know? The chatter, the calming. chatter. That, yeah. Yes, it is calming. And so finding ways that we can cut down on that constant negative high stress chatter mm-hmm. that fills our minds is, is really critically important. We don't often think about that when we're thinking about rest. All right. What's number three? Okay. And number three is what she calls emotional rest. This has to do with what I, what I was talking about earlier, wearing masks can get extremely heavy, mm-hmm. especially if you're wearing a number of masks. As I mentioned earlier, I had this knee issue. I've always been kind of a Pollyanna. In fact, I mentioned the word Pollyanna to one of my young colleagues at Back to Back Ministries. She said, who's Pollyanna? I said, wait a minute, you have never heard of Pollyanna? No, I couldn't believe there was a person on the face of the earth in the United States that had never heard of Pollyanna. I'm pretty sanguine, happy-go-lucky, doesn't take a lot to bother me. So that's kind of my personality. I was at back-to-back at our office, and someone asked me how I was doing. And I, at that time, I was six weeks after revision surgery, going off all my pain meds. I was sicker than I could. I I didn't know you get so sick going off pain meds. Anyway, um, I said, I'm about 90%, and he said, look at me. How are you really doing? And I started crying. He said, you need to tell me the truth. And um, so I think the emotional self-care is really asking, and you don't have to download on everybody, you know, the cashier at Kroger's or that, you know, you don't have to download, but having those people in your life that you can be really authentic with and honest first with yourself. Hey, I'm not having the best of days. God has a reason for this being authentic with him because he already knows. And then finding those people that, um, you can be authentic with because if we're not, we become absolutely emotionally exhausted by what we carry. Right. I think so too. I, we need, we don't need a lot of people, but we need at least a few who can really understand us and who we can trust, who we can yes. really trust to be able to handle our feelings, our worries, our fears, and hold them. You know, know that they're holding this very precious relationship with us. Yeah. You know, so yeah, a few close people that you can be honest with, it's very important. Oh, absolutely. It is absolutely key. And there's not a whole lot of people in our life that will ask good questions. Mm. I love to sit down and ask people good questions. Ask questions because I'm genuinely interested in it because number two, I know that not a lot of people do that. And in fact, today, Lisa, I I do water aerobics for part of my stuff. And I went this morning. I haven't been there in a number of weeks because I've been doing it outside. It was at eight o'clock in the morning class. And my friend Sue was there and I haven't seen her for two and a half months. And she said, well, how are your knees? And I said, we're getting better. And I said, how are you? Because she looked troubled. Her husband died suddenly two weeks ago. Oh. Suddenly. Healthy and just had a heart attack. So I didn't even realize the class was over. She and I were still talking. I said, do these other people know? No. She hadn't told anybody in this class of 20-some people what she was dealing with. Um, People desperately need other people to ask them. Safe people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ask them those good good questions where you get to talk about that stuff. That's emotional self-care. Good. 
Good. Okay, what's next? Social self-care. Isolation and loneliness are two of the most common issues, I think, for adoptive and foster moms. Mm -hmm. Isolation and loneliness. I know what I know the challenges for moms particularly and dads, I know, but for moms particularly is is having um, childcare, being able to get out and do those things. But if they can find ways within their church ministry or to have a group, even getting together once a month. Um, I'm part of a new Bible study. The women are um, adoptive moms. They're only meeting one Sunday night a month. Mm. And, but they're gathering together because they need that social connection. So social self-care is another important one. I'm curious, how did they decide that once a month was what they could handle? Because like, I, if I were trying to do something like that, it would be hard for me to set the bar that low. I, that, that's not what I mean. You know what I'm saying though? Like, sure. okay, let's just be honest. Let's be realistic. We're not going to make it every week. We're not even going to make it every other week. Was it a conversation? I don't know because I was invited. They had the first one. We were out of town. So I'm going to the second one in September. And I maybe have those answers. But I'm guessing the ones that I know are part of it have six or more children. Mm. And so I think they're saying, you know what? For my family, this is realistic. I can be gone sun- one Sunday night a month. That's great. I actually, I actually like hearing that. You know, that it doesn't have to be a heavy load to know you know, to still be able to meet together. It doesn't have to be every week. No, no, because that, you, it throws the, if it throws the family system into chaos because you're gone all the time, then that's not good either. Well, and, said, you'll, and you'll quit. And you'll quit. Right. It's not worth it. But once a month, that's, oh, the family learns to respect that. Mom needs that. Dad steps up if it's a two-parent household. Yep. That's great. I like that. All right, what's next? The next one is one we don't think about, and that's sensory. Right. When you, when you read that one, I was like, what is it? I can kind of do some guessing, but tell me about it. Sure. When you think about it, when is the last time you went into a restaurant that was quiet and calm, and you didn't have to struggle to hear someone you were talking to? I can't even think of it. I can't even, I mean, usually everything's bustling, you know? Yes, Absolutely. We are surrounded by constant stimulation. Peter Scazzaro um, wrote the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he also has a great devotional that goes around with it, goes with it. But you begin this devotional with a two-minute silence. And he said the average person can last about 20 seconds. Wow. So we're not good. So paying attention to the noise clutter in our mind is so incredibly um, important. Okay, there's one more kind of rest that she talks about. You want to tell us about it? Well, you know, creative rest, um, we always think that really belongs just to the artsy, craftsy people. But really, it's you might find something in the arts. Um, for example, part of my new thing that God has been doing in his life is I've taken up brush lettering. I can't draw stick people, but I'm loving learning how to doodle, do, doodling scriptures and brush lettering. That's a creative rest, but it's also being very creative about how I find rest, not getting locked into certain things. I got to do this, this, and so that it becomes work being creative, thinking maybe as you're beginning a week, what could I do that would be creatively restful this week? It might be simply, Hey, I I don't live very far from a lake. The kids don't get home till three o'clock. I've got time to go take a walk around the lake. 
just finding the margin to do those kind of things. So for the moms who are listening to us right now, they don't have the book. (laughs) They've just listened to us talk about it. What could they do today or tomorrow or in the next couple days to begin putting some rest back into their lives? What would you suggest? Well, you know, this is probably a good time for this to come out because school is back in. And some moms, of course, will still have toddlers at home, but kids are going off to school. And I would encourage these moms to plan as though they were planning an appointment, make an appointment with God and themselves. And simply go to a place, it might be to a park, it might be to a lake, it might be to a restaurant with quiet music earphones on, and simply ask God how I can build this into my life. I can tell you by my personal experience that when you ask God and you slow down long enough to listen, he will pour into your life what he wants for you to do. And it's not going to be more work to do. It's going to be about how you can rest. Maybe things that we haven't even thought about. But I think the first thing is making an appointment with God and yourself to ask those very important questions. With improved rest, how do you think that will potentially impact how a mom feels about herself and then how she is parenting her kids? Oh, I think it absolutely. It's going to actually impact you in every way. Your body, you're going to physically feel better. Your brain, you're going to be thinking much more clearly. Um, Your belief system about yourself and belief system about your kids, your belief system about God, it's going to greatly impact your behavior because when you're not stressed, you're going to respond to the kids better than when you're in high stress and you're, you're flowing over yourself. So it impacts every area that we can think about. We think we are wasting time with rest. But it replenishes us, it renews us, it rebuilds us, it repairs us. And you know, I think when we're more rested, we're able to think more clearly and we have more flexibility in our thinking. And we, the kind of parenting we're doing, this therapeutic parenting, is filled with so many challenges and it requires so much thinking. And one of the worst things we can do is become very rigid You know, when we become really rigid, we can't um, look at situations and think creatively. And so I think when we have built rest into our lives, our brains are functioning better, which allows us to be more flexible and to be able to be a little more, uh, well, certainly more empathetic and better at connection because we're not so exhausted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think about your body when you're rigid and inflexible. And you're thinking how your body is rigid and inflexible and what that does clear down to the cellular level. Is there any one last thing you want to tell the moms who are listening today about self-care, the importance of self-care, anything like that? You know, I, I think it's a topic that we've avoided for years. When I take a survey of adoptive parents at retreats and conferences, none of us had done really well on the score. Usually it's a D or F. And let me encourage folks to just move up the ladder to C, B, and maybe even an A in, in giving themselves that score on self-care. Thank you so much, Jane. I really Thanks. appreciate this. This is a good jumping off point for a lot of moms to just be thinking about what they really need in terms of rest. And then I will definitely put the book we're referencing. It's called Sacred Rest. I'll put that in our show notes. And you referenced another book as well, uh, Emotionally... 
Healthy Spirituality. Healthy Spirituality. Do you recommend that book as well? Absolutely. And the devotional piece with it. Okay. There's a devotional book that goes along with the book. Yes. Great. We'll have links to all of those things in the show notes. So thank you. Thanks for being thank with you. us and serving adoptive and foster parents the way you do. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Lisa. God bless. I so appreciate Jane's insight and wisdom and what she has to say about the importance of self-care. I heard Annie F. Downs define self-care last year as the things that we do to make us better for relationship. And I have really pondered that and thought through that. And I, I really think we have a duty to our families to take this seriously because there's this amazing trickle-down effect when we fill up our own buckets. And the overflow of that makes us better moms, helps restore our sanity and you know, our kids play off of our own sanity. So the more sane we are feeling, the more sane they will be. And I think there is a very real risk that if we do not rest, if we do not take care of ourselves, we can find ourselves in really bad places, really dark places where none of us want to be. I mean, there's legitimate trauma and depression for moms. And so I think it's just really important that we, even when it seems impossible, like you might be thinking, I have absolutely no time for rest. Well, you know what? You probably somehow need to make time. And it might be a different kind of rest than what we were thinking. I I think that's one of the things I appreciated in this interview is that there are, according to this author, seven kinds of rest. So we don't all have to go take a walk or take a bath like Jane talked about. There are other ways to rest as well. I, I think we actually can't afford not to rest. Right. For me, I would say one of my biggest priorities is sleep. I try really hard. I'm not always good at it, but I try really hard because I am not happy and I'm not a great mom when I'm completely exhausted. So, but Melissa, you have a really interesting story about, it was a little bit of an extreme kind of rest, but I think everybody would enjoy hearing about it. Yeah, I had an opportunity kind of smack in the midst of the hardest years of our parenting to go on a silent retreat. Now, if you know anything about me, I must have been really, really desperate to get away and volunteer to not talk for two days. You know, I have no problem getting away from my family, but I usually prefer to go somewhere with some girlfriends and spend the weekend chattering away. And I knew in my head that this could be something really, really powerful. And my husband really, really pushed me to go do it. But I had no idea the healing I would find and how much power there was in silence. And I did this in community, so I wasn't isolated. It was a group of us. It is amazing how much intimacy you can have with a group of people when no one is actually talking. But it was a really, really powerful weekend and really shaped the way that I see silence. I almost kind of saw it as like my enemy before this. And now I have learned to embrace it in a whole new way. I blogged a little bit about it when I came back. So I will link to that blog post in the show notes for sure. I have a similar example, which I won't go into a lot, um, of something we did for Russ. The, uh, Deborah Gray, the attachment therapist we were working with, actually gave him an assignment for rest that was pretty extreme. And I wrote about it as well. And it's, uh, we called it his restorative sabbatical. So we'll include that in the notes as well. I have not done anything quite as extreme as that, although it sounds a little bit blissful. I think 
it might be hard to be silent, but it sounds a little bit wonderful. But one thing that came to my mind that's a little bit different is how restful it is to be in a place where no one can need you. They can't reach you by phone. They can't text you. And even better, if someone else is actually caring for you in some way. And I have an example of that years ago when we were in really some of the hardest times with our kids. One of my dearest friends for my birthday present took me to get a facial. Well, I had never had a facial in my life. I didn't even really know what it entailed. But, you know, if you've had a facial, you know this, but it's a little bit like getting ready for a massage and you get, I got in this heated bed with this blanket over me and there's this soft music and there's something that smells good. And basically three times she came in the room and she'd massage my face and do things on my face and then put something on it and go back out. And it was in such a time of extreme stress that when she left the room the first time, I just started to weep. The kindness of having someone do something for me to make me feel better when I was so broken, it just tears just ran down my face, you know, and then she come back in and I pull it back together. And then another time she left again and I started crying again. I think I was so depleted and so unused to kindness toward me that it, it really was healing, but in a kind of a breaking open kind of way. So a simpler version of being somewhere where no one can need you and someone else is caring for you is to go to a little coffee shop, someplace pleasant, you know, not necessarily a bustling Starbucks, but something someplace pleasant that's kind of peaceful and calm. And if you have someone caring for your children, leave your phone at home and give yourself an hour or maybe even two where no one can need you. And someone else might even bring you your coffee and take care of you. I think these small things are so restful, but they're also good for our souls to be cared for and to um, restore ourselves a bit. And like she says, restore our sanity. I'm actually really interested in the book, Melissa. I think we should read it together. Yeah, I'm in. So if you want to connect with Jane, you can do that through back-to-back ministries at back the number two back.org uh, specifically through their trauma competent care page. So it's back to back.org slash TCC. And that's a mouthful. So we will have that in the show notes as well as the blog post that Lisa and I mentioned and the link to the book that we're going to commit to reading about sacred rest. All of those links can be found at the show notes at the adoption connection dot com slash 53. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.